a conversation that revolves around the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. I am your host, Dane Sampson. Good afternoon, Dane, uh, and I'm, I'm Brian Wilbur. And uh, we, we have a, we have a, a challenging uh, topic that we want to talk about today. And uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're just able to have this conversation back and forth about, about the challenges of life and processing the challenges of life in the light of God's word. Um, today we want to address the topic of evil and specifically moral evil. And by, by moral evil, I mean destructive acts of wickedness that, that are, that are, you know, carried out by a, a personal moral agent, uh, that, such as a human being, <laughs> could be a demon or a human being, uh, a personal moral agent carrying out destructive acts of evil. And, you know, the conversation today is, it was prompted by the, 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 the tragic uh, mass shooting event. Um, I think it was October 25th in, in, the, in, in the Lewiston area. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the magnitude, the scope, the very, the very public nature of, of that event um, it impacted uh, many lives and really a whole community, and you know it just it just raises it just raises the question of you know how, really how, how should we how should we think about uh, evil and and suffering, and as we start this conversation, I think it's important to say that that this conversation is not is not intended to minister in the immediate. Uh, to someone who in this very moment is in, just in the grip of overwhelming distress. I mean, the person who's, who's in the grip of overwhelming distress does need truth. But when we're ministering to such a person in, in that moment, uh, we ordinarily, our, our words, it's wise for our words to be few. And we want to we we be a uh, a, a loving and comforting presence. Uh, you know, Job, Job's friends did that admirably uh, when they went to comfort their suffering friend, and they just kind of sat with him for a week. And uh, once they once they once they started to talk after that week, they they got into trouble. Right. So, <laughs> so um, let's not do that. You know. So, um, but 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 the the larger issue here is that if we're if we're actually going to be spiritually healthy, if we're going to receive the spiritual healing that we need, if we're going to endure suffering, or if we're going to recover, you know, after we've gone through a traumatic event, we're, we're going to have to do it in, in, uh, in dependence upon the Word of God. We're, we're going to have to bring our hearts and our minds into submission to the Word of God, that, 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 that the Lord, that, that His Spirit would, would, would heal us and renew us and, and strengthen us and give us hope, sustain us um, through His Word and through His promises. And, and so that's really, that's really what this is about. This is about equipping believers either before they face acute suffering or to help believers uh, process acute suffering that they've already faced. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I just think that we, we, want, we want believers to be equipped so that when they, like Job, lose almost everything, they actually respond by bowing their hearts before the sovereign hand of God. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't demand that, 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 that someone say that in the midst of their suffering. Job did it 
freely that 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 he 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 was formed in such a way that that was his response his response to a remarkable amount of suffering was to was to worship before the living God and to acknowledge God's sovereign and almighty hand. Um, so, so we, we want to be equipped to be Job-like in our, in our faith. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and ask God to bless this conversation, and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw the first question to you. So, Father, uh, we, we, we just pray that, that you would be with us. I pray that your words would hold sway in our hearts and lives. Uh, all of us face various kinds of moral evil uh, from outside ourselves, but we also have to wrestle with it internally because in our, in our sinful nature, moral evil lies within our own hearts. So, uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to be attentive uh, listeners to your word and to be transformed uh, by your, your promises and by your perspectives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So, Dane, the, the, we got a few questions we want to talk through, and the first question is, how, how does God view the act of murder, whether it's, whether it's a, a you know, whether it's the murder of one or whether it's a, a, a mass shooting event, how, how does, what's God's perspective on murder? Well, it is, it is a violation of one of his commandments, thou shalt not murder. Um, murder is a image bearer of God not bearing his image and then ending another life of another image bearer so this is, this is an absolute atrocity when someone who has been created with the purpose of representing God on earth chooses to use their life to go and take the life of another person whose purpose is to image God on this earth and in their life. Um, there's also a, a kind of a usurping of responsibility is that uh, God is the one who holds our life in his hands. So it's ultimately God who should give and take life. We, we have no rights to take life except in very particular circumstances. Um, uh, murder is nowhere near any of those circumstances. So there is a tremendous atrocity when an image bearer does not represent God uh, in this world accordingly. That, that, is, that, is, that is a great evil, a great moral evil in its own right. Um, there's, in, this, in the case of this mass shooting, there is the evil that is perpetrated by the, the aggressor, and then there is the evil experienced by the victim. Um, and somehow the, the wonderful glory in this circumstance, if you could say such a thing after something so tragic, is that God is so great that he can use moral evil to work out that which is morally good. Mm -hmm. he, he can turn that around like using a, a divine reverse uno card. He can pull a flipperoo and he can ultimately bring blessing into people's lives through great hardship and great sorrow and great moral evil because he is the source of good and love and peace and hope. Um, and, and you know, this, this moral evil happens when a person does not have access to peace, grace, love, and hope when, when you're isolated from those things, uh, the the evil that is deep within the heart of man takes over, and horrible atrocities like this can happen. God says, or Paul writes in Romans chapter five and verse three, we exult in pressures, knowing that pressure works out endurance, hardship and suffering in our lives with God. And Christ 
indwelling, those in Christ, when we experience suffering, it is not in a vacuum. It is not random. It is not meaningless. The suffering that we experience when we suffer, God can use that and use that for ultimately our good, so much good that we would look back and say, I will go through it again to learn that lesson over. Um, I know this has been true in the, in the suffering that I've experienced in my own life. The lessons that I've learned about God through suffering are the most valuable treasures in my life. Um, so what say you? What do you think? Well, I think that it's very important what you said about the fact that human beings are, are image bearers of God. Because if you have a faulty worldview, for example, if you believe that we're really here by chance, that human beings somehow evolved out of, you know, out of matter. The primordial goo. Right, right. Right, or or if you if you if you if you believe that uh, the, the you know that there's these multiple you know g- gods in the sky just kind of duking it out up there, and then you know what we do down here is just a reflection of that. I mean, that that's those are those are those are faulty views of of the world in terms of ultimate explanation for why we're here and who we are, but. A, a personal God created us in his image, in his likeness, to represent him. And that is why murder is abominable. It's because it is, it's, a, it's an assault upon the image of God. It's an, it's, it's an assault upon the image of God in man, which ultimately makes it an assault upon God, you know, and, and you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you, you kind of hinted at, at the fact that there are instances when God authorizes the taking of life. And uh, one such instance is, um, is that in the Bible, murder is understood to be a capital offense. Um, if, if, you, if you shed the blood of man, then um, you forfeit your life. You can see that in, in Genesis chapter 9. You can see that in Exodus chapter 20, 21. Um, so I, th- I, think, I think that that is, uh, is just really important. And I, and I also want to say one other thing generally related to this question, and that is that justice will be done. I think when we, when we have a very, when, when we have a narrow view of the here and now, we understand that oftentimes justice is not successfully carried out in this in this present lifetime in this present world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's all there's all kinds of, of injustices that are uh, that are that are tolerated and sustained um, in this present world. Um, but we have to have an eternal perspective. You know, every, everyone will uh, will. S- will be held accountable for his or her deeds. Everyone will be judged according to what he or she has done. And you see, you, the, 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 you know, the Bible says that multiple times in multiple places. And at the end of the day, I, I, there's, there's, you know, there's either one of two outcomes for every human being. Because every human being is a sinner. Every human being stands condemned before a holy God, and if, if 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 anyone is outside of Christ, if anyone has not been washed in the blood of the Lamb and and made right with God through faith in Jesus, then then that person will be condemned and cast into endless misery in the lake of fire. He, he or she will bear his guilt forever. And we all deserve that. Um, it, and, and if, if uh, but the sacrifice of Christ is so great and so valuable. The, the, the eternal son of God became a man, 
to bear our sins in his body on the tree, his worth and his sacrifice is so great that um, that he, he was he was punished in our place. And through him we are we are forgiven and have peace with God and have, have the hope of eternal life. And and no and no no sinner should resent that another sinner has been forgiven because that is how valuable the sacrifice of Christ is. Mm. Yeah, I think it's important in suffering in a general sense, in a, in a moral evil context, uh, Christ experienced that to the utmost on the cross. But I was, I was meditating upon this and you know, uh, God has been suffering since the beginning. God created Adam and Eve and he immediately was suffering because they, they disobeyed him. And he, he was the victim of that, that moral evil, that moral wrongdoing. He was the victim. Uh, he was the one who was wronged in that scenario. And then immediately his creation, uh, Cain and Abel, his creation starts murdering his creation. His image bearer starts murdering his image bearer. And uh, that must have caused him suffering. And then he, he reaches out, he starts to develop relationship with the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel goes after other gods and causes him great suffering. And God has been suffering since the, since the very beginning. And he suffered and it ultimately culminated in his very acute suffering on the cross. So when we suffer, God is not unable to relate or unable to identify or unable to share in our sufferings. And it's like, you know, if a person is starving, I can feed them. If a person is freezing, I can give them a wool blanket. If a person loses a loved one, there's nothing I can do. But there is someone who can do something. There is someone who can comfort you in that moment, who knows what that is like far better than I do and loves that person who is suffering far better than I ever could. And he knows suffering. He knows it intimately. And he shares in the suffering with us. He gets down in the, in the dirt and he, and he, we're there with sackcloth and ashes and we are there mourning justifiably some atrocity that has happened either in our own life or in the lives of those around us. And God understands and God has got his finger on that pulse and he is not distant from us in our suffering. And that to me, in, in, in periods of my own life where I've experienced great hardship, that to me is just such a beacon of, of um, just a measurable hope that I am not alone. You know, you suffer and maybe you suffer and, you know, I don't know what it's like to, to, to be in that circumstance at the, at the bowling alley or at the, at the bar where this shooter had gone on his spree. I don't know what that's like. I haven't been in that precise situation. And it would be easy for a person who suffered in a particular way to be like, well, no one can relate to me. No one can understand what my suffering is like. It's so particularly unique and it isolates me. Well, that is a path of self-destruction. And if we take our sufferings and our hardships and we lay them on the, at the feet of the cross, we lay them at the feet of the king and his throne, and we submit those, that heartache, that justifiable pain and suffering to him, he can take that horrible situation and he, can, he will endure it with you participate and share in the suffering with you, and he will turn it into a blessing for you. And, and that is something that is completely special and unique to our relationship with Christ, uh, that there is massive hope in that, massive practical peace in, um, in how he does that. So my question, I guess, would be building on that, why, why do human beings murder other human beings? I think it's an impossible question, but why? Why does this is what everyone, everyone who's suffering wants to know. Why? Well, uh, if, if, we're, if we're thinking in terms of the, the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, th the answer is, is that because, because people have other gods, 
other other than the true God, mm. and because uh, people's hearts are covetous and unruly. You know, I, th I think it's I, th I, th I just think it's very important to be clear on on the doctrine of sin. The the Bible says that all have sinned, and the Bible paints a very unflattering picture of every human being in his or her sinfulness. Um, and, and so we were, you know, we were created for fellowship with God. And we were created to rest in God. Uh, uh, you know, Augustine, the great theologian from many centuries ago, you know, said something like, um, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. And the restless heart, the discontented heart, the covetous heart, the craving heart does terrible things. Uh, you know, and, and a, a one passage that comes to mind is in uh, is in the New Testament book of James, where 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 you know James is really talking about unruly desires. He writes in James chapter four, beginning in verse one: What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you, uh, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and, and, he, go, and he goes on. But, but unruly passions, unruly desires, life isn't working out, and I'm not trusting God. I'm not looking to him and his resources, and I'm taking matters into my own hands to try to gain some sense of, of satisfaction in, in this very unsatisfying experience that I'm having. And we, when we, and we, we, we do stupid things. Other people are in a way, and we, and we, you know, we take them out. Um, or, or we, we, you know, or, or we lie, or we cheat, or we steal, or we defame. I mean, all, all of these things stem from the heart is not at rest in the Lord, and therefore my, my desires are out of control, and other people are in the way, and so I have to, so I have to deal with them. Um, one other thing I do want to say, it's kind of, it's kind of the, uh, a flip side um, a little bit, but it, it is important to say, and this in no way excuses sin. I'm not excusing sin in any, in any way, shape, or form. I'm simply acknowledging the fact that every sinner on the face of the earth has also been sinned against because the world is full of sinners. Mm -hmm. All have sinned. Um, and that means that not only am I guilty of sinning against others, but others are guilty of sinning against me. And, and sometimes, sometimes people who do really terrible things, and they'll be held accountable for them. But sometimes people who do really terrible things have themselves been sinned against in some pretty terrible ways. Um, maybe you've heard the expression, uh, hurt people or, or hurting people mm -hmm. hurt people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, that's exactly, that's exactly right. That I'm, I'm, I'm already a sinner. I've already got a sinful nature. And then when, when that gets, when that gets, uh, you know, pushed and aggravated in various ways, invariably, my response to being sinned against is to, is to add more sin into the picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, life is complicated, things blow up, and, 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 and stuff happens. But that, that, that's the bottom line. The, the heart is restless, not trusting in God, unruly desires, and it, and it, and it always bears bitter and bad fruit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, deceitful and desperately wicked and who can know it that's right that's exactly and, right and that's not like someone else's heart that's my heart that's that's, that's, that's right that's, that's right that's all of us we all can share in that and it's we need we have this amazing physician that gives us a heart transplant so now we we want 
um, we want things that we didn't previously want. So, you know, knitting into our conversation last time about the Ten Commandments and the law, um, I think we had had this conversation offline, but the issue with man is not so much what he does as it is what he is. The issue of man is, is a hard issue, and we have a we have a broken heart that wants corrupt things, and God, he transplants and puts takes out that heart of stone. He puts in a heart of flesh. He now indwells that heart and starts to animate that heart to want things that it never would have wanted uh, to begin with. And there's a transformation that happens by God's grace, and then he walks us down this path of sanctification. And um, that is, I mean, that's just... It's a glorious transition, a glorious uh, rebirth of being born again. Um, but that's not our natural state. Our natural state is without Christ, we are just desperately destitute and we are wallowing in self-pity and pride and strife and sorrow. And you want your way and, we and want I want my mine. way. And let's duke it out. And see who gets who's who. Let's see who wins. And, and I like, often don't get my way, so I'm very frustrated. Right? Yeah. It's just it's like animalistic. There's like a, a beast, a beastly mindset that is more appropriate for animals than it is for image bearers. Hmm. Um. Well, yeah. Let let me let me ask the next question. Um. So th this is this is I mean this is this is a big big topic, but I think it's an important question to ask, and that is, I, obviously, you know, God being sovereign, given what the Bible teaches and given what we experience in life, obviously He permits, He permits uh, moral atrocities. He He He, he permits all, all all kinds of of, of suffering. And, and, and hardship in this world. And so I think it's worth reflecting on that and also asking the question, why? You know, even if we can't plumb the depths of that question, um, you know, what, what can we know? Why, why, why does God permit uh, great suffering, including moral atrocities? With, with Christ... And, and I, I wouldn't venture that this is a great pro probability outside of Christ. I think that really the key to this is Christ. With Christ, um, suffering has tremendous meaning and purpose. And it's not, it's not an accident. There is, there is something there that is indispensable that God wishes to draw out through the suffering. Um, we have wonderful examples of this. We have examples of, of Joseph. We have examples of Job. We have examples of Jesus' life. Uh, I think I'll take Joseph right off the bat. Um, Joseph had all these horrible things done to him by his brothers, sold into slavery. Um, horrible things happened to him when he was sold into slavery. He's a slave in Egypt. He's maligned and falsely accused and thrown into prison. And, you know, he does a great job in, in the prisons. And uh, the, the, uh, the, um, the wine bearer for Pharaoh, you know, gets his dream interpreted and then kind of seems to forget about Joseph doing this favor for him. Really, you know, God interpreting his dream through Joseph. And he just kind of kind of seemed to forget about that. Eventually, Joseph is elevated to the position second only to Pharaoh and, and through this horrible process of, of tremendous suffering, it was horrible, but God meant for it to happen. He meant what others meant for evil. God used it and meant it for good. There was an intent and a purpose behind this whole process that was not accidental and uh, it, it served not only to develop uh, the character of the person, Joseph, but it also served to lay a groundwork for 
Well, it's, it's saved the entire nation of Egypt and everyone around it because of the wisdom that Joseph had in managing the harvest. So like countless people benefited because this man suffered. Um, can, I, can I jump in there? Absolutely. I, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure how much we can really uh, wrap our heads around this, but it's very interesting to see how it, it, it seems as if God is, he's highlighting his own wisdom and power, and he's also highlighting the, the futility and powerlessness of evildoers. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, because, so it says, that you know, Joseph says to his brothers, after you know, after after they 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 find him up there, you know, well, they find him down there in Egypt, where he's the prime minister, basically. But but Joseph says to his brothers, "What you meant for evil, God meant for good," and it was it was through their it was through their evil actions that God sent Joseph to Egypt before them in order to bring salvation, this is a, a, a kind of a, 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 you know, a temporal physical salvation to the very brothers and their families, you know, the very brothers who had done this moral mm-hmm. evil in selling their brother into slavery. And, and so their, their intention is to get rid of Joseph, you know, good riddance. We don't want him around anymore. Yeah, that dreamer. And, 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 you know, and God wills that through that, through the instrumentality of their evil, he's going to save them. And, and, and that there's something striking and, and humbling about that. It's like they, they were unsuccessful. <laughs> Joseph's brothers were ultimately unsuccessful in what they had intended to do. They were so unsuccessful that the very one that they had sent away became, in a very practical sense, became their savior and life giver under 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 God's sovereign hand. And it just it just uh, you know God turns evil on its head. God God show, shows that you know what uh, yes evil is evil, but evil will not carry the day. Evil will not hold sway. God's plan will hold sway, and God's plan is so great, and God's plan is so powerful that it it in, incorporates uh, the evil acts of men into it, and then and then works. You know, God works out His own good purposes. Yeah, no. God, re- God is not God is not frustrated. Right. Evil, yeah, right. evil is frustrated. Mm. Evil designs are frustrated. Evil. Doers are frustrated. The sovereign God is not frustrated. He and He works out His plan. His plans include working them out through evil. It, mm-hmm. it, it's the wisdom of God. Yeah. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yeah. Yeah. That's really excellent. And Job is another extraordinary example, where the 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 accusation, the accuser's accusation of Job, was that. He loved God for all the blessings that God had given him. So God gave the adversary the liberty to remove these blessings. And Job experienced unparalleled hardship and suffering and great loss. And, you know, he, he really in, endured it very well. But the moral that I get from this story of Job is that we worship God independently of the blessings or the cursings, the hardships, the good times, the highs, the lows. He is still God above all of it. Uh, you know, no pressure system changes our relationship with God, whether the pressure is on or the pressure is not on, whether the sun is shining or it is a rainy and gloomy day, God still deserves all of our praise and our, all of our glory and all of our adoration and love as being the source of all that is good in our lives and in life period. Um, and he gives and he takes away, but he is, he is righteous and divine and worthy of worship 
independent of those circumstances. And, and um, he is still God, even in the suffering. He's still God. He's constant. The suffering will change. Life changes. Things come and go. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. And he is still God, and he is still on the throne. So I, I find that Job is just another extraordinary example to look to when asking, why does God permit moral atrocities? God permits moral atrocities because he reveals who he is through moral atrocities in ways that we would never be able to appreciate otherwise. Um, wonderful and high virtues, such as compassion, cannot be expressed in a world that has no pain. Or generosity can't be expressed unless there's poverty. We can't express the, the noble virtue of selflessness if there isn't corruption in this world. So because there is these horrible moral evils like pain, poverty, and corruption, we get to see God display and we get to imitate compassion, generosity, and selflessness and, and, and numerous other attributes of God that we would never be able to see or appreciate in a world that was um, completely, of, completely devoid of any pain or moral evil. There's the well-known verse, uh, Romans, Romans 8, 28. Um, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And, you know, it's important to point out that in the context of Romans 8, 28, you have, uh, you have the sufferings of this present time in, in verse uh, 18. Uh, you have our weakness in verse 26. And if you, go, if you go forward to verse 35, you have tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. I mean, those are, those are included in the all things that God causes to be worked together for good, for, mm -hmm. for our good, for our sanctification, uh, which is in view there. You know, we know that... For, uh, uh, in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so uh, it, it, should be, it should be steadying to our soul to know that nothing is excluded from the all things that God has promised to work together for the good of his people, for the, the sanctification of those who trust and love him. And I think if we if we can, you know, if we can carry that with us at all times, then that will help us to have a a steadfast heart to meet our trials with uh, with with great hope. And that and that that doesn't mean that it's that doesn't mean that it's it's, it's fun or it's easy no, no. or anything like that. No, the trials are real. <laughs> the, the, I mean, they may be very intense. Yeah. But we have something. Uh, solid that we're holding on to, and um, mm. I think that's you know that's really practical. It's, it's I, I think it's an interesting account in uh, in Second Samuel. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna unpack this in great detail. Uh, I, I'd encourage you y'all to check it out. Second uh, Samuel uh, 16 verses five through fourteen. David, David is the king, okay? And in that passage, there is a, a man uh, named uh, Shimei who is cursing David. And, uh, you know, and, and David's, David's men are like, uh, one, one, one guy says to David, let me go over and take off his head. To, you know, take off the head of the guy who's cursing the king, okay? And David says, um, it's remarkable. He, he says um, in verse 10, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, if he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? 
And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse? For the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. And, and it's just, it's remarkable that David was able to see this other man cursing him. He was able to see it under, as something that was taking place under the sovereign hand of God, the, the God that he trusted and loved. And then not only that, but David also had some measure, you know, so he, had, he had some measure of, uh, of, of hope that the Lord, on the other side of it, the Lord, that the Lord would repay him with good. And, you know, the, the lesson here from 2 Samuel 16, it doesn't mean that there's never a time for us to act in the face of evil, but, what it, but, the, but the lesson that does come through here is we always ought to, we always ought to do our thinking, our processing, our reacting, our hoping. We ought to do all of that under, uh, under the sovereign hand of God with confidence that, you know what, no, nothing, nothing is happening apart from his sovereign control over all things, so I can trust him. And, um, and ultimately, whether now or later, certainly in the big scheme of things, ultimately, he will make everything right. He will, he will, he will, he will reward me. He will, you know, like Paul said, he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And if we can remember those things, then our heart will be steadied in the face of great suffering. And frankly, I don't know about you, my heart needs to be steadied in the face of little sufferings. Mm. I mean, Certainly. I mean, in the face of little inconveniences, yeah. in the face of little letdowns. I mean, True. I, 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 I need, I need to, I need to call to mind that the Lord is good and the Lord is at work in and around my life, even in the little disturbances that come my way. Yeah. Amen. And, and even, I think, even taking from this passage, it's even bigger than us. Cause like, we're not living for ourselves. We're living like we are part of something bigger than us. Um, this this character who was throwing stones, uh, it's been a while since I've looked this up, but from what I recall, this character throwing stones at David was an ancestor to the the antagonist in the book of uh, Esther. Esther, Mordecai, uh, what was his name? Naaman? Was that the, was that the bad guy? Uh, is it Naaman, Haman? Uh, ha Haman, Haman. Haman is a descendant of this guy, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I would have to look into that again. But I think there's a, there's a curious connection between this and the story of Esther. And ultimately, that because he's, it's like, it's like the, it's like, why did Master Frodo, my, here's my Lord of the Rings knowledge coming out, why did Master Frodo not kill Gollum? Because, well, you needed Gollum to be the one to ultimately destroy the ring. And there's, there's like a, if I remember correctly, I want to look into that because I think there is an interesting connection here from, from my recollection. Well, he, he, I mean, <laughs> whether there's a connection or not, I mean, uh, uh, what, what you start to see in scripture, see scripture doesn't, scripture doesn't just give us like, okay, here, here's a, you know, here's a, an abstract list of principles. Right. What it gives us is stories, true stories. Um, that uh, that recount God's dealings with mankind, and and these and these stories build patterns of thinking. So you just think, you know, God, uh, you know, God meant the evil of Joseph's brothers. He meant that evil for good. Uh, God brought a deeper relationship to uh, in Job's life. Job's fellowship with God deepened through suffering. You mentioned the Book of Esther. God turned Haman's evil plotting on its head, mm -hmm. and Haman went down, and God's people were preserved. G God, 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 
predestined the, the suffering, rejection, and crucifixion of his son. And through that substitutionary death of his son brings a glorious salvation for every sinner who turns to Jesus. Mm. And, and so you, ju you, just, you just see this, this pattern over and over and over again. And, and the, the message that, that rings out to us is trust in the Lord yeah. and do not lean on your own understanding. Because yeah. in our own understanding, apart from Scripture, apart from God's sanctifying work in our hearts, we don't, we don't, we're, we're trapped in the here and now yeah. and in ignorance and darkness and my own desires. And, 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 it, and, it's, and it's not adding up. Yeah. But... In the light of Scripture, in the light of God's Word, these various things that we're reflecting on, and, and you know, David's example too in 2 Samuel 16, the lesson that comes through is trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And we don't say that to, we don't, you know, we're not, we're not doing life in a laboratory. This is, this is real life, real suffering, real pain, real conflict, real tragedy. And in that we can trust in the Lord. Amen. He is real. <laughs> he, he offers real hope and real encouragement. Um, what are we supposed to learn from the tragedy that has occurred in our community? Well, I think I think some of those uh, lessons were were already. Uh, yeah, we've we, we've either we've either we've, directly or indirectly yeah. ref, 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 reflected on them already. I mean, it's uh, we just talked about trusting in the Lord and 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 trusting His sovereign hand to turn evil on its head and 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 lead us, those of us who trust Him, to lead us to a good end, and He will make all things right. And um, do I, do I want to do I want to add anything to that? Um, I think I think one thing I would add to that is. I, there's a couple things I want to add. Number one, remember that every human being is is very special and very valuable. We we Amen. we 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 can be so lousy in the way that we treat people, it's, and it's it's. We can. We're indifferent. We 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 forget about people. We don't see people. We don't recognize people. We don't have a warm-hearted embrace of people. Um, we don't make we don't make people feel loved and valued, and and we take people for granted. I mean, I could just go on and on. But but these these it seems like small things. But you know, greet one another with a holy kiss is God's instruction to, to believers in terms of their relationship to each other, but it's, we're to have a, a, a loving and warm regard for one another. You know, how sad is it that two image bearers of God will cross each other, like they're walking, you know, opposite ways on the sidewalk or opposite ways down the shopping mall or whatever, and one or both of them, they look away from each other. I mean, he, he, here is a fellow prince or a fellow princess in terms of the high calling of being a holy image bearer of God. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we, and we turn away. Mm -hmm. There's no respect. There, there, there's no sense of appreciation. And I understand it, it, the corrupting influence of sin, mm -hmm. but I just think love one another. Yeah. Yeah. Love one another. You Absolutely. Know. Fulfill the greatest commandment. Yeah. Love God yeah. And love each other. And the and the the final thing I would say is 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 just recognizing that um, we all we all need to take stock of our own heart and life before the Lord. You know, Jesus was asked a really interesting question in in Luke uh, Luke chapter thirteen. Um, there was uh, um, uh, apparently a moral atrocity that he was asked about. And his answer is very interesting. It says in Luke 13, verse 1, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So this sounds like a, a, a moral atrocity. Blood was shed. <laughs> and this was Jesus' answer. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? 
No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And, and so, no, no sinner has the moral high ground on anyone else. Because, because tragedy befalls my neighbor is not owing to my moral superiority. Mm -hmm. uh, God is sovereign to, to preserve life, to take life. And to each one of us, he, a day will come when right. he says, as I'm thinking of, of the a parable that Jesus told in, in, Luke, in Luke chapter 12, uh, he, he, he said, uh, uh, this is God speaking to, to the rich man um, in this parable. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And, and that, that day is coming for, for each and every one of us. Yeah. The, the day is coming when your soul is required of you. You are, your, your, your appointed days on earth have come to an end. Now I am summoning you um, into, uh, you know, to appear before me in judgment. And so I just think it's an encouragement, like, take stock of, of where you're at. Uh, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Uh, if you've done that, con continue, continue on the path of repentance and trusting the Lord and loving other people and honoring his name and hold this life with, with, with an open hand. It can, be, it can be taken away at any moment, but let us be the kind of people who are, we're, we're leaving a legacy of faith. We're le leaving a legacy of hope. We're leaving a legacy of love to those who know us. Amen. Ed, do you want, do you want, to, Ed, do you want to add anything? No, I think that's what I was going to add. Is it, like, it could, we don't know when it's our time. And it could be our time at any time. You know, it's, it's God's, he's, Jesus is holding the keys of life and death. And he knows, and that's in his hands. But it could happen any day. Any day could be our last day. And that's, that should be, I think, I want that to be. Both sobering and quickening. There's a reverence for every day. You know, thank you, Father, for this day that you have given us. You know, give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses if we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, that it, and, and, and lead us not into evil that we might overcome. So I think with that, we should probably conclude. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we can. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank, thank you. Uh, thank you, the listener, uh, for listening to this podcast. Um, we really do hope that you are blessed and encouraged and strengthened, uh, through, through this particular form of, of teaching and meditation upon God's word. Uh, we, we invite you to send in questions or, or other feedback. Uh, you can actually, you can always email us personally if you happen to have our personal email address, but now you can email podcast at southparisbaptist.org podcast singular uh, podcast at southparisbaptist.org, and we invite you to do that. Uh, again, a shout out to Aaron Darrell for the use of his music in the, in, in the introduction and just for the, and also for the, the wonderful uh, technical and engineering work that Caleb Lynch is doing to, to make this possible and to bring this to you. Um, so a shout out to them. Amen. Thank you, fathers, for this time. We just ask that you would bless us as we go in your grace and peace. Amen.